This time on episode 480 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we talk the kids' WB show, X-Men Evolution, specifically episode one, Strategy X, and episode two, The X-Impulse. I'm Willie D. Nelson from All Things Good and Nerdy, a pop culture podcast, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other tantalizingly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. And now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm Agent Chris. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Studios Productions fan cast. The show is recorded on Saturday. August 5th, 2023, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast Saturday morning cartoon-wide. Come and join our live chat as we record. And if you didn't already catch on to it, we like talking about the Marvel. Because of collecting children like Pokemon. (laughs) If you'd like to talk to us about collecting children or anything, really, please don't collect children. Like Pokemon, you can find us at our website, legendsofshield.com. If you'd like to discuss Pokemon in detail, you can leave us a voicemail at 844 the bus one. That's 844-843-2871. If you think that X is still a thing, even though the Favicon is still a bird, you can tag us over at Legends of Shield. If you would like to make your child soldiers fight each other like Pokemon, you can watch me being very confused on YouTube at Gonna Geek. You can join our Discord server and demonstrate your Pokemon knowledge at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And don't forget that Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network, where we will not steal your children. Am I going to have to make a Pokemon channel on the Discord server now? Maybe. All right. I don't play, but I know other people do. Y'all play Pokemon? I played black and white for a little while. It was fun, but I got in. There was some fight that I got really frustrated on. So I did the me thing of putting it down to take a break and then getting distracted immediately. All right. Well, we're back into the Saturday morning cartoon realm here because we're going to be talking about a Marvel animation, and that is why Lauren is able to join us. This has been approved by the SAG during the strike. So, Lauren, welcome back. Glad to be here. And yes, there was an email and everything. Right. Approved. Boom. All right. We're going to be talking about X-Men Evolutions. It was a animation series that started, I believe, in 2000. Not quite sure the date, but I'm pretty sure it was 2000. And you can find it on Disney+. Plus. You guys ready to talk about it? Yes. Yes. Yep. Here we go! 
X-Men Evolution, Episode 1, the premiere episode, Strategy X, premiered on Kids WB on November 4th, 2000. Episode 2, The X-Impulse, premiered on Kids WB on November 11th, 2000. Michelle, you were just off the epic Secret Invasion IMDb descriptions. What do you got going back 20 years? Strategy X. When high schooler Todd Tolansky starts exhibiting toad-like mutant powers, Mystique sees a perfect opportunity to get a spy into Xavier's Institute. Meanwhile, the X-Men recruit a new member as Kurt Ragnar joins Xavier's school. The X-Impulse. When Kitty Pride discovers her mutant ability to phase through objects, Xavier sends Jean Grey on a mission to recruit her. Meanwhile, Wolverine's arch nemesis, Sabretooth, rolls into town and he's looking for a fight. Fight it is. All right. First of all, I'm going to call Kitty Pride Kate Pride. I hope everybody's okay with that, but that's what I'm going to do here. Second of all, we have an epic voice acting cast. Lauren, what are your overall thoughts on it? Okay. So I remember when this show first came out. I watched this show since day one. I was so excited back when it premiered. I was in high school at the time, so a little older than their target audience, actually a lot older because the studio's preferred target audience was boys aged six to 10. But even back then, before I was, before I had any idea I would ever be doing voice acting, I was fascinated by voice actors. And at the time, I recognized a lot of the voices from various anime that was on, particularly Inuyasha, which I never watched, but my sister did. And most of the cast was on it in some form or other, including two of the main roles from Inuyasha being on here. I hadn't started watching Stargate yet, so I didn't recognize Christopher Judge. But yeah, so let's start with every... I I did some reading. Every voice actor on this show has been in one or all of three things. Anime, a Stargate series, or Hallmark Christmas movies. So I feel like you have the spectrum represented here. The trifecta, the SP trifecta. I like it. Indeed. So let's start with Christopher Judge, who only appeared at the very end of the second episode. Christopher Judge, now known as a voice actor for like Kratos and stuff at the time, was Teal. Voices Magneto. And I mean, come on, the voice is perfect. It's all deep and yes. So we got that out of the way. Let's go. Professor X. Professor X is voiced by David Pay, who's a narrator in like everything. Voices Jarvis in a lot of animated Marvel stuff and Marvel video games and if you remember the marvel experience the live traveling show they did in 2014 he was jarvis there he was also arishem in the eternals which we have previously discussed let's see we are moving on to cyclops kirby morrow who sadly died in 2020 he had substance abuse issues it was very unfortunate because i really liked his stuff You might recognize him from anime such as Escaflone, Gundam, Ranma One Half, and what I mostly knew him from, he was the voice of Moroku in Inuyasha in the dub, 
we have Scott McNeil playing Wolverine, who also was in stuff like Escaflone, Mega Man. A lot of you remember the the kind of pseudo low budget anime that was a thing in the the early to mid nineties. Like, yes. yeah, he was mm-hmm. in a bunch of those like adaptations of Heidi, and he was also in various Street Fighter things. Let's move on to Brad Swale, who is the voice of Nightcrawler. You might know him as Light Yagami from the dub of of Death Note. Note. Yes, thank you. I forgot. He's also voiced Baby Groot in a lot of video game stuff recently. Maggie Blue O'Hara voicing Kitty Hate Pride. Also in Inuyasha, she was, I think, a minor character there. Card captor Sakura, various bit parts on shows that filmed in Canada because this was recorded in Canada because, like, all anime was in the late 90s, early 2000s. It was all Canada and Houston. Kirsten Alter, who voiced Storm, she has been in things like SG1 and Criminal Minds and Psych and Juno, and Dark Matter, and Orphan Black. We have Noel Fisher, who voiced... Oh, I'm blanking. Toad. Yes, thank you. He has actually voiced Michelangelo in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies that came out a couple years ago, the ones from Jerry Bruckheimer. He's also... Yeah, he was also one of the main characters in the American version of the TV show Shameless. Christopher Gray, who voiced Avalanche, dude has also been in a lot other than voicing Avalanche. He was Enzo in Reboot, which was another show I loved back in the mid-90s, which if you ever have a chance, the graphics are so dated, but the story is still pretty good. And then we have... Venus Terzo, who voiced Jean Grey, who was Rainbow Dash about two generations back in the animated My Little Pony stuff, so not Friendship is Magic, the one before. Also been in a bunch of Barbie movies, not the one that's currently out. Was also additional voices in things like Thor, Tales of Asgard, and was on the Frequency TV show, was on Arrow for 14 episodes as Dr. Alyssa Schwartz. So I'm not going into the actors who aren't in these two episodes, but we're already starting off really, really strong. All right. Let's talk about how it started off for us. Michelle, what are your first impressions after rewatching these episodes? I actually, this is my first real watch. I did watch a few of these episodes before to suggest the show but i have not seen these so this is going to be a first watch for me from really episode four on but my first impression is the nerd in me and the teacher in me is intrigued because it's public school versus a school with an unusual and exclusive after school program This is the first time that I'm watching it. 
pretty much at all. I know we had watched the first episode before years and years ago, and then for some reason didn't watch anymore. But the first thing I'm wondering here is if I didn't know that this was X-Men and that I know that I like X-Men stuff, would I continue to watch? That's something I think we're going to explore further on in this episode. All right. Lauren, any first thoughts after rewatching the episodes? Like I said, I watched this series from day one back in 2000. So I'm just, I'm living in my nostalgia. I, I wrote fanfic for this show. Okay. I just, I'm so happy to get to talk it with you guys. This is my first watch through and uh, my judgment is reserved for the moment. I know we've seen the two episodes, but we still have the team coalescing. We don't have everybody on the board yet. So we'll see. And the only reason I know that is because I paid attention to the intro and not all the characters in the intro have been in the episode so far. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about Chris, your mention before of collecting all of the teenage mutants that are in school. Professor Xavier here, man, he's got such double standards and just weird philosophy on how he's collecting these kids. First off, he goes and tells Scott, oh, you know, Toad can join us or not. It's his choice. And okay, I'm on board for that. That's cool. And then he tells Jean Grey, you shall make Kitty join us no matter what. Like, really? How come she doesn't get a choice, but Toad gets a choice? Because that's that's got all kinds of layers of potential craziness in it. The way I justified it in my mind is that Toad's powers are more low-key, and Kitty's have the potential to be very, very visible, and also, let's face it, uncontrollable falling through surfaces is a bit of a problem. Again, that's just me justifying it in my mind. Really, this show very much played off of the high school cliques thing, especially at first. Like, just making it clear for everyone, the first season is the team's kind of solidifying. Second season is things kind of get real. Third season is where the stakes really come in. I knew all these characters going in, of course, between the movies and our coverage of X-Men 92. And some of them are new, like K-Pride was not in the 92 series, right? But it seemed to me like Marvel looked at what they did from 92 to 97, and they were like, hmm, we need to reboot this, but we need to make this more relatable to kids, so let's make it into an actual high school show. Because before, it really wasn't a high school show. All you had was Jubilee that was really relatable at the same age. Now they're all the same age, really. I mean, you got Storm, you got Wolverine, Professor X that are the adults, but everybody else are kids. And I will say, at least for now, Scott's not so much of a jerk yet. Okay, so these are two of my more tolerable, like the two of the incarnations of Cyclops and Jean that I've been able to, to stand. I will say that there's. Okay, so yeah, the original, the, the 92 series was more of a direct adaptation of the comics. This was, this was in production at the same time as the 2000 movie, the Brian Singer one. And 
they actually were sort of working a little bit with them on the production side of that, like in terms of some of the visual language of the show and also in terms of it being before people know that mutants are a thing. Like if you remember where things are at at the very beginning of the very first X-Men live action movie, it's like, yeah, some people kind of know, but mostly it's still a surprise. And Kids WB at the time who had the license was also there were some issues with them trying to skew a lot younger than what their target audience ended up being. Like this is the same time that you have that terrible one piece dub that they were partially responsible for. And they were trying to import a lot of anime that was geared at young children at the time. Like, Cardcaptor Sakura was on right around the same time as X-Men Evolution. So, it's skewing more high school is kind of very much a thing that was going on at that time. It was part of the let's make everything high school. Batman Beyond was around the same time. And that one was a darker, edgier show than this one, but it was still let's take this property you love and have it in high school. We definitely have a main character coming on board as a high school counselor with Mystique. Kind of surprised that Professor X and Cerebro don't catch Mystique using her powers at all. Maybe her powers are so low power that Cerebro doesn't identify them. Or Magneto's found a way to cloak because his helmet and cloak professor xavier so maybe her earrings i don't know the principal's office has a way of or that nice coat that 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 blazer that she wears i don't know but you're right it's hit and miss with cerebro it's the plot convenient thing that i believe the show is going to rely on a lot Particularly in the first season, yeah. Other than the voice acting differential, Wolverine is the same Wolverine. <laughs> it's it's good fun seeing him out there. Really, hey, bub. <laughs> yeah, some things never change. Wolverine is generally one of those things. And Wolverine, being Wolverine, you know he's gonna go be a good Kitty Pride mentor. Yeah, so yes, I think we've discussed before in the comics, Wolverine basically just kind of collects daughters and daughter figures, Kitty Pride being the first of those. And I'm trying to remember, I don't think their relationship was on the same level as it was in the comics. Like, if memory serves, when Rogue shows up, that ends up being, I think also because, again, of the movie that was in production at the time. but. Yeah, it's it's fun having Wolverine as a as a teacher figure. And very capable, not as going off half cocked like he was before. He's still aggressive, but he's a little bit more thoughtful in his actions at least. He does get his nemesis that <laughs> appears out of nowhere, you know, dueling motorcycle guys. What did you guys think of that fight? I mean, it was the first mutant fight that we saw in the whole thing. 
memories. I just, Sabretooth was one of the ones that they consulted with the movies with Avi Arad and all that of, okay, so how should we make him look? Have you seen the movie Turbo? It's before Fast and the Furious, so it's older than that. But in that, there's this infamous fight scene with two women on motorcycles. And I remember there's there's a Pepsi sign and the Mountain Dew sign, and they fight with their motorcycles. And when I saw Sabretooth and Wolverine basically start to fight with their motorbikes, I was just instantly reminded of that scene. Did you mean Torque? Torque. That's it. Torque. Yes. Not Turbo. Torque. Thank yeah. you very much. It's been turbo a while. Turbo was the one with the snail. Yeah. I'm sorry. Thank you very much, Lauren. I knew it started with the T and it's Fast and the Furious before Fast and the Furious, of course. And that reminded me of that. I just loved how they could smell each other from far away. They know each other's essence so well. And just the motorcycle fight. That was funny. I don't know if we get into the lore of this series or not, but this was Wolverine coming back. So Wolverine has been with the X-Men or at least Professor Xavier before. So he smelled trouble and he came back. So I don't know if that's a reference to the 92 series or something else that has occurred already. I think it's more that's just kind of what Wolverine does sometimes. Like he just goes on sabbatical. He'll go, he'll fight in a crossover, epi- a crossover issue of the comics, and then he'll come back. We also got to first peer into the danger room. And I thought that was a really nice way to get into it. I was a little bit confused that Nightcrawler was able to get into there because from my understanding, he had to either like, he has to know about where he's going somehow. So not knowing that the danger room exists, not knowing the layout of the mansion and everything, then, you know, how does he get into that room? But that's kind of a nitpicky thing in there because he's going to learn about it eventually. It's not like he went into some secret space that he he never could have found otherwise. Puberty? (laughs) That and Mystique were two of my nitpicks that I had with the show at the time. Like, as you'll see throughout the show, Mystique in the comics and in other media only turns into other people. The whole thing is her mass remains the same. She just kind of rearranges it. Here she turns into some stuff where I'm like, that's not a thing. And again, because 16-year-old me was much more of a canon stickler than 39-year-old me is. Oh, it bothered me. I loved the show. It didn't bother me enough to make me stop watching. But it's one of those things that even now, years later, I'm like, why did they do that? You have the start of an overarching plot. I think you mentioned it before, Lauren, about how the series went and it's just establishing the teams. I think that's what we got. I don't necessarily know if we've got a good guy or a bad guy. And I don't know if Magneto is going to be flushed out to the point where you can understand where he's coming from or if he's just going to be a bad guy. But it just seems to me like what we've got is the teams being formed and you've got the, the good quote-unquote good kids from our point of view being in the mansion and the quote-unquote bad kids being part of Magneto and Mystique's group. One of the things that I remember when the show came out and as you can see here is it's leaning very much into those good kids, bad kids stereotype. We see Toad first 
when he's stealing wallets. We see Avalanche first when he's vandalizing lockers. And that does stick around for a while because, again, it was a high school show in the early 2000s. I mean, I think that's still kind of a thing in high school. I haven't watched high school shows in forever, really. I don't know about you guys, but if I had somebody in my hallways that was hopping around like a frog, that would be a major concern. I don't know. Some kids are just weird. Yeah, it's public school, and it's not one of those. This is the teacher in me. I'm going, this is a low-budget school that's not getting good funding whether it's in a low-income area and there's just not enough taxpayer money because of, you know, low property taxes or something because a lot of school districts, that's how it's funded, with property tax. That's why you get such different qualities of schools. And, yeah, it's one of those things. Okay, they're hopping around like a a toad they're not really doing anything else that we know of we you know perhaps the teachers don't know about the stealing but in teaching there's something called pick your battles and really if all the kids doing is hopping down the hallway and not bothering anybody else (laughs) i'm going to deal with the kids that are bothering somebody else and almost on the brink of a fight let the other kid hop around like a toad i mean you got to figure too that there's probably the girl wearing cat ears going and rubbing up on people like a cat does. There's the kids playing Yu-Gi-Oh! at lunch who are getting way too into that and pretending like it's a real thing. And the theater kids just doing theater kid things. That never ends. Band kids doing band kid things. Yeah, and that's probably another thing. Okay, that must be for drama club. Getting into character. Yeah, so I guess he's decided to be method. Is he turning in his homework? Exactly. And also on the school thing, Mystique taking over a principal, in case you're not familiar with how becoming a principal works, (laughs) you have to get your, no, some people think you can just apply to be a principal. That's not the way it is. Now, I know things vary state from state, but the basic pathway is you get your teaching license, you teach in the classroom for so many years. In California, it's five. You then have to go through an administrative program, whether it's from the district or if it's a mandated college sort of course. Again, it's determined by the state what you need to do in order to become an administrator. And then when you enter administration, you mostly start out as a vice principal. And then you got to work your way up to principal by either being a really good assistant principal or playing office politics really well. I was at a school where it was ruthless because there were like four of them that eventually wanted to be a principal somewhere. And those seats are few and far between. I'm wondering, is Mystique taking over somebody who went through all that or did Mystique do all of that? Because she's a principal. I'm trying to figure out how she became a principal. And if she just took over somebody's life, I really feel for the principal. That's a lot of hard work going down the drain, being some sort of captive. Or I don't, I hope, you know, she didn't get that killer or something. Maybe she's just a captive somewhere. But you just don't get to wake up one day and go, I'm going to be a principal. 
I mean, I guess you can if you forge your credentials. Plus, where would they hold her captive if she just took over her life? It's not like there's off in Russia some nuclear thing testing <laughs> site, then they can just swap bodies. This is a teen show, so I figured perhaps they're holding her captive somewhere and also perhaps to go look you're going to tell me how you are tell me this computer password or exactly how do you fill out this paperwork so i can get the school board off my case because that's another thing the school board will be on your case and that's another thing i i had i went to a school where the principal wanted to be a member of the school board and dear god uh, you could tell when the school was going to be looked at because all of a sudden, all the skater kids got suspended, no matter what they were doing. All of a sudden, it was like, where's this student? Oh, wait, wait a minute. He's a skater. And then we we all knew, yep, there's that school board member. There's that person. There's that person. Politics, people, politics. Okay, but imagining Mystique fighting with the school board is Really, really funny. <laughs> Getting frustrated over it, too. Oh, my God. Just imagine the petty vengeance that she would do. But it's okay. Everything's fine. The football team is winning and winning big. Nothing else matters. That's the most okay. realistic thing in the show so far. Yeah. Maybe it's because I'm from Texas where football is life. But, yeah, that... That absolutely rang true. Yeah. The fact that there was an explosion on campus, or in, actually the whole building coming down, the fact that there was that that happened is not as big as the fact of the explosion happened right next to the football field. So is the football field okay? Are the stands okay? Is the concession stand okay? If that's all good, just bring in another propane tank. We're fine. Look, if it's a year where they're going to state, I can fully believe that. And what happened to the game? Because, like, are they just going to call it and say, of course, they were going to win? Are they going to say that they forfeit now because their environment was unsafe and they let the explosion happen? Are they going to have to come back and play it later or maybe just play it later if it matters? That's a lot of logistical things we're going to have to get figured out that I'm sure the show is never going to come back to. If it's in the fourth quarter, I think there's a ruling about if it's so far in the fourth quarter and they're so far ahead and they were, it was like, what, 49 to seven or something like that deep into the fourth quarter. If you had Peyton Manning or Tom Brady as your quarterback, and this was too soon. I'm a Falcons fan. Oh, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm I'm a Colts fan. So actually saying those two words, t Tom Brady, and I said them again, and acknowledging his talents as a quarterback. If you have somebody like that, then perhaps you could come back with two minutes or whatever. But this is high school. Yeah, and I like the fact that we're now debating school boards, and football. Well, it's set in high school. What did we expect? Exactly. Again, it's that thing of watching a show geared at young teenagers when you're much, much past all of that is, it's the same thing with Disney movies. It's like at the time, 
you know, yeah, Ariel's 16 years old. She wants all this freedom. And you look back and you're like, you are a child. If I'm an FBI profiler and I start to take a look at the pattern recognition of major events going on, so far we have an explosion during a high school football game at one school. And then we have an entire wing of another school that's been collapsed. That was Cape Pride School, which was different than this school. So I'm starting to look at what are the common denominators? Hmm. Charles Xavier was around both instances. Hmm. Maybe, maybe we need to take a closer look at Professor X. Professor Xavier is still a jerk. And again, things that remain the same. This was pre-9-11. I mean, I'm not sure. Yep. About a year and a half before, or a year. Mm -hmm. Just, no, barely, like nine months or something. Like, it was November to September. Yep. All right, well, I'm looking forward to getting the next couple in when we meet again. There's 13 episodes in the first season, 17 episodes in the second season, 13 episodes in the third season, and nine episodes in the fourth season. It culminated on October 25th, 2003. So really just a three-year run for, what do we got? 30, 30, 43, 52 episodes. Did I watch this in college? Yes. I was not in college. I did not see this. I, Quite frankly, I didn't even know it existed. So bad on me. But I was a little bit busy during those years. Uh. I remember downloading the episodes off of uh, the school's downloading hub. Oh yeah, because uh, I would i I slept in on Saturdays because yay for no eight a.m. classes. So I would tend to miss whenever it would actually air live. I think I might still have a couple of episodes that I forgot to delete on my hard drive somewhere. <laughs> So was it like a DVR sort of thing, or was it like a BitTorrent sort of it thing? It was a BitTorrent sort of thing. Um, okay. Oh, yeah. the Wild West days of the early internet. And there oh, was, yeah. did you notice there was like phones on the wall at the school? And Xavier, okay, Xavier had a flip phone, and flip phones are coming back. I love these commercials where they're like, look at this phone. It flips. And I'm going, we're coming Full circle. There's this, I don't know what it was, a, a TikTok about some couple of teens going, we wish there was a phone in the house that everyone could learn, oh. you know, could use. Uh, and it's like, that's a landline, people. This is how far we've come. It's this show is 23 years old. And yeah, I mean, Lauren's talking about looking, you know, watching it during college. I was working, so here we go. I had just I had almost started my teaching career. This is where we're this is going to be interesting with me as a teacher of 20 years and a nerd since I don't know, maybe birth. I don't I'm not too sure. So this is going to be an interesting show to watch. So cargo pants everywhere. I was Again, I know all of the fashion is simplified because it's a cartoon and you need to be able to draw it repeatedly, but there's cargo shorts everywhere. There's boot cut jeans everywhere, which I never stopped wearing. 
the only reason I stopped wearing cargo shorts is because I gained weight and had to get rid of mine and then they weren't making them, but now they're back. So I'm very happy. The three quarter length sleeves. God, I wore so many of those. There was a post I was looking at recently on Reddit of questionable early 2000s fashion. And again, just so so nostalgic. Yeah, the 90s are coming back. I notice all the trends. I'm into K-pop. I see the 90s coming back. It's interesting. Okay, we're off track. I, I, I guess we should wrap up. You think? Yes. <laughs> Chris, last thoughts about these two episodes. I really enjoyed how they kind of just threw us into this. Uh, you still get a lot of that 90s cartoon. Yes, this is kind of a first episode, but not really. And yeah, like if I didn't know this was X-Men, you know, this is enticing enough that I think I would stay with it anyway. Of course, it's kind of hard to tell because I know it's X-Men and I know I'm going to stay with it anyway because it's X-Men and stuff. But this is just a good show and I'm still excited to figure out who we're really going to be following in the show if it's going to have like a one or two real key people or or if it's going to be like the comics and just whoever they need to follow for that story. So this was at the same time that Buffy the Vampire Slayer was still on. I think Buffy was in about season three at this point. And the influence is there, especially with the character of Kitty Pride, which is funny because then later on when Joss Whedon wrote for X-Men, he very heavily Again, it's it's all very recursive. It's Joss Whedon brought a lot of the comics character Kitty Pride into Buffy, and then this Kitty Pride is very heavily influenced by Buffy. There's even scenes later on in the show, I think season two in specific is what I'm thinking of, where they basically just rotoscoped some scenes from Buffy and also the craft and some other there's a couple of other like late nineties staples that get referenced and again this is i'm a bit younger than y'all and this was my teenage years it, it just feels very i mean yeah i wasn't a mutant well technically i was but i didn't know that and my superpower is not cool my superpower is i have bad connective tissue <laughs> but i wasn't a mutant who could like use lasers but it's still, those dynamics were still so familiar to me at the time when I was first watching this. And I watch it now and I'm brought right back to being, you know, 15, 16, I guess, yeah, 16 when the show came out. And uh, I'm, I'm going to have to hunt down some fanfic, just see, see what people have been up to in the last 20 some years. I like the pace. As Chris mentioned, we just jumped right in. I'm going to be intrigued if we learn how they came together or if it's just going to be just going on. Who cares how long Scott and Jean's been there? They were there. How did they get there? Who knows? Who cares? They're there. I like it. 
it took me, I had to remember, okay, we're only doing two shows right now. So to make sure to stop myself. So yeah, I'm so far, I am pleased. I'm a big Kate Pride fan, so I'm in it for Kate Pride, no matter what. So there we go. Next time, we're going to be talking about X-Men Evolution Season 1, Episode 3, Rogue Recruit. So we're going to get Rogue into the mix. And Season 1, Episode 4, Mutant Crush. And you can find these, once again, on Disney+. Plus. Michelle, what do we got going on now? Well, we're going to... We've been called to the principal's office. We appreciate everybody being with us as we continue our coverage within the SAG, AFTRA, and WGA strikes. We're going to be doing a lot more of this, I think, in the year or so to come because there's just not going to be a lot of stuff that is being produced. We're going to be going back and looking at old stuff and probably anime on this show just because Lauren wants to be a part of us. So that's what we're going to do. So if you have any comments about X-Men Evolutions, please let us know. And we are going to be exclusive in our coverage to that subject in order so that Lauren can be with us. And if you have any questions, whatever, you can email me directly, StargatePioneer at GunnyGeek.com. You can also join our discussion over on our Discord server at GunnyGeek.com slash Discord. I want to thank... I have all the listeners, of course, but I also want to thank my fellow co-hosts for being so willing to work with me on this. For those who don't know, I'm not in SAG, but I am SAG eligible and had been hoping to join this year. Finances mean that's probably not going to happen until next year, but thank you so, so much for helping me still be included. And thank you for agreeing to watch this show. It was, along with like Buffy and Angel, this was my high school years and I'm incredibly nostalgic and happy and I'm so happy to be sharing this with you and to be talking with you. So thank you so, so much. I'd like to thank our listeners. We really appreciate you and we... Again, come over to our Discord. We have very interesting conversations. And, of course, you know, we have to thank Lauren for giving us a very, very good excuse to force SP to watch some of these old cartoons. Because I don't know how we would have done it otherwise. We would have eventually got to it. We would have run out of live-action stuff eventually. I mean, we've already covered most of this stuff since Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so, (laughs) you know. It is what it is. Anyway, that's it for this week. We're looking forward to our continued coverage of X-Men Evolution. Until next time, I'm Director SB. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm Agent Chris. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. crew, please report to the principal's office. <laughs> Aw. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows.
You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2023.